And welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on Thursday the 25th of October and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises John Plush as recording engineer and Catherine Neal, Phil Lee and Jane Fayes are our readers today. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, some sport, and finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and, of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Phil's going to read. I am. Thank you, Pips. We'll start with Wilds Lane, which is 01905 767 766. Listeners, as ever, should be aware that this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police non-emergency is 101. NHS Direct is 111. Out of hours medical assistance 0300 one two double three two double one between six and eight pm. Crime Stoppers is O eight hundred treble five treble one. Worcester Hub is O one nine O five seven six five seven six five. Worcestershire County Council here to help is O one nine O five seven six eight O five three and press option three. Community Risk Team Fire Safety O eight hundred 032-1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800-980-331. Sense Adventures Walking for Visually Impaired. D. Jones number is 01684-891-297 or 07920-144614. Or she can be contacted on www.senseadventures, all one word, .co.uk. Samaritans, 116123. Worcester Live, 01905-611-427. Malvern Theatres, 01684-892277. There's a new number to add. Western Power is now known as National Grid. And the number is 0800-917-7953. And that's the number you ring in the event of a power cut. And it is a 24-hour service. Thank you, Phil. Um, I've got a list of what's on currently at the moment. And I'll start with the Swan Theatre. On Thursday, the 3rd of November, 70s hit star Barbara Dixon is performing live at the Swan Theatre. 
running through her large and varied back catalogue. It's an intimate performance with just Dixon playing guitar and piano and accompanied by Nick Holland on keyboards. Tickets are £28 and it starts at 7.30pm. Also at the Swan on Saturday the 5th of November, you can enjoy comedy genius Milton Jones in his one-man show Milton Impossible. Tickets are £29 and the show starts again at 7.30pm. For further details on both these events, contact the Swan Box office on 611427. I thought uh, it would be helpful to give you an update on the bonfire night and firework displays. Despite all the ongoing issues at Worcester Warriors, Six Ways has confirmed that the fireworks display will go ahead as planned and this is due to take place on Friday, November the 4th. Gates open at four, sorry, 5.30pm. Adults are £9.00. Juniors are £5 and if you want tickets, please call 07724 338 320. There's also a bonfire of fireworks night being held at Quarterman Field on Starport Road in Great Whitley on November the 5th. Uh, tickets are £5, under six get free admission. The bonfire will be lit at 5.45pm and the fireworks will begin at 6.30pm. And at Grimley Raceway, the Skylighter Fireworks event, oh, actually, I think we're out of time on that. It's being held on the 30th of October, so apologies for that. But there's one last one. On November the 4th, the Wharf Inn at Holtfleet is hosting a roadside bonfire with a firework display and a disco. There'll be outdoor entertainment with a live DJ, hot pot rolls and refreshments, but I'm afraid I have no contact number for that one. Finally, on Sunday the 6th of November, a Christmas crafts and gifts fair is taking place at the Guildhall Worcester from 9 till 5. Admission is free. So that is the what's on and I think we can move on to the main headlines this week, which Catherine's got the list and we'll kick off if you yes. okay with that. Um, the headlines over the last week are as follows. On Friday, October the 21st, Complete shambles, public anger at utter chaos in Downing Street. The weekend edition for Saturday and Sunday, October the 22nd and 23rd, ran food bank braced for 30% rise, surge expected in need for Christmas help. On Monday, October the 24th, the headline was Helping Hand for School. Tesco sends £10,000 grant to primary school after vote. On Tuesday, October the 25th, allow us to grieve son's anger as statues stolen from parents. On Wednesday, October the 26th, it was paying the price. Drivers asked for £57,000 in backdated fees after fault with machines. And Thursday, October the 27th, fire victim set fire to his blanket. Fatal blaze started accidentally in home with lighter. So I'll start with the headline story for last Friday. And it was complete shambles. Chaos as truss quits. A shambles, an embarrassment and utter chaos. Just some of the ways people on the city's streets describe the news that Liz Truss has stepped down as Prime Minister. After just 45 days in office, Miss Truss was forced to announce she had handed in her resignation amid a series of blunders. On the city's high street, shoppers were unanimous in their scathing review of her short time in the post. 
And while it has launched another leadership competition, the vast majority of people in Worcester would like to see a general election. A whopping 75% of people voted in favour of hitting the ballot box in a poll run on the Worcester News website. Shopper Adele Eads believes her term has embarrassed the country. She said, The whole thing is a complete shambles. She's done damage to the country. Globally, it's very embarrassing. I think Sunak should be next. I'd like to see Johnson come back, but I don't think he'll come back. I was sad to see Boris Johnson go. He made some good decisions. They should have held a general election when he left. It's ridiculous. A minority of people have made a decision for for the whole country. Caroline Goethe does not believe a new Prime Minister is going to be any better. I think the chaos is intentional. Everything is utterly chaotic. Michael Eads had a bit more sympathy. She's fallen on her sword a bit. Things are so dire at the moment. Making the wrong decision can almost have far worse consequences. I mean, making tax cuts during a time when all public services need all the money they can get... I do think there should be a general election. They've made such a mess of themselves. I think Rishi Sunak is the best out of a bad bunch. The question should be, is the Tory party fit to lead, rather than who is fit to lead the Tory party? Michael Sprague thinks it is a good thing that she's resigned. When she was in charge of the mini-budget, she put the whole of the country in a bit of a state. She doesn't support any of the working class, nor does any of the Tory party. My energy bills cost more than food. I have friends who are lighting candles to keep warm. How is this happening in a first world country? And that takes us on to Saturday's headline, which was Food Bank braced for 30% rise. A Worcester food bank is expecting to see a huge rise in the number of people relying on the service this Christmas. Last December, Worcester Food Bank fed more than 1,600 people and the volunteer-led service said it is expecting this to rise by at least 30% this winter. Operations coordinator Ruth Alsop said, The cost of living has impacted our service. We have noticed that during our usually quieter summer months, we have continuously seen an increase in demand, ranging between 20 and 30%, compared with the same months of last year. Considering this was before the more significant rise in October, and while the weather is still warm, we're worried about how demand will increase in the next few months. Last December we fed over 1,600 people, and we expect to see this rise. The food bank is part of the Trussell Trust network and is based at Lowesmore Wharf. Typically, the service sees a high proportion of families make use of the service, with up to 40% being children. There has been a rise in two-income households and couples due to the cost-of-living crisis. The food bank is well-stocked, but Mrs Allsop has warned this may not be the case if the situation is not dealt with soon. She added, Thankfully, we are extremely well-supported by the local community with volunteers and donations and are able to meet demand at the moment. However... If this situation continues for a long period of time and people and businesses are less able to give due to their own costs, this could become a problem, not only with provision of stock, but room in our warehouse to support ever-rising numbers of clients. Worcester Food Bank also offers its clients support acquiring work, partnering with referral agencies who can help them access support. Due to rising bills and expenses, we find that more people have accessed all the support available and still aren't able to afford food, Mrs Allsop said. 
This is worrying for us, as without the ability to support clients out of poverty, the demand will continue to grow. And the story on Monday, October the 24th, is Helping Hand for School. Tesco sends £10,000 grant to primary school after vote. Tesco shoppers selected a local primary school's SEND department, and that's a special educational need and disabilities department, as part of a celebratory one-off community grant funding campaign. Shoppers across selected Tesco stores were given the chance to take part in a lucky dip to find specially created gold versions of its iconic blue voting token. The total amount being given away in gold tokens was worth £1 million in grants to local good causes. Steve Winfield, store manager at St Peter's, said, My favourite moment from Super Saturday in Tesco St Peter's Worcester, where a lucky customer found the golden token and awarded a local group. Congratulations, Red Hill, C of E School, who were selected for the £10,000 grant, which will go towards sensory equipment, therapy toys and learning resources resources to maximise the potential of children with additional and SEND needs, improving the quality of life for children and their families. The special SEND need department at Redhill Primary School was one of the three local charities available to vote for in the Worcester Superstore at St Peter's to receive one of the ten one of the hundred ten thousand pounds local grants. Lucy Jones, reception class teacher and SEN coordinator, and Caroline Reed, year three class teacher and SEND coordinator, said, We are over the moon to have been chosen to receive the Golden Token Grant. It'll have a huge impact on the children with SEND needs at our school and will benefit them in so many ways. Thank you so much to those who picked us on behalf of the SEND and all at Red Hill. We really appreciate all the support and are looking forward to implementing the resources. The £1 million donation marks £100 million in Tesco community grants being given to more than 50,000 good causes since they were launched in 2016. Good causes that have benefited include breakfast clubs, food banks, meals on wheels, playgrounds and green spaces, parks and green spaces, counselling and support services for young people and children's sports teams. With many small, often volunteer-run groups facing rising costs, Tesco community grants are vital at the moment to keep them going. Claire de Silva, head of communities and local media at Tesco, said... These events cross the country were not only a really fun occasion in store with our colleagues and customers really keen to get involved, but also an important opportunity for people to choose a local good cause to receive the £10,000 grant. Hopefully, this will help to make a difference to everyone that they continue to support. And the headline for Tuesday, October the 25th, Allow Us to Grieve. Son's anger as statues stolen from parents. Disgusting and mindless thieves have stolen sentimental statues left by a grieving man on his parents' grave. 
Craig Cook is now calling for CCTV to be installed in a city cemetery following the theft. Mr Cook of Sadler's Walk, Worcester, was devastated to find two ornamental stone grey lions were stolen from his mother and father's graves in Aswood Cemetery on Saturday. He now wants security cameras posted around the cemetery to deter thieves and has even launched a petition. Other people have revealed they have had items stolen off family members' graves. He said, we should be allowed to grieve and not worry that our tokens of remembrance are being stolen or our cars are being broken into while we are mourning at our loved one's graveside. Mr Cook said, I think it just it is just disgusting that this has happened. It is such a mindless and heartless thing to do and has had such an effect on our family. My children have taken it incredibly hard as my mum always lived with us. It is just so hard to get your head around why anyone would do this. Mr Cook's mother, Val, died earlier this year and his father, Neville, died in 2007. Mr Cook visits Aswood Cemetery every day to pay his respects. This is not the first time this sort of thing has happened, he said. We had an incident before where someone was trying to take stuff from the grave, but thankfully someone caught it on camera. I've got to know people who visit the cemetery over the years and I've heard situations where they've had similar problems as well. People pay a lot of money to be able to leave tributes to their loved ones at this cemetery and I think it's essential to have CCTV here so these thefts can stop. A Worcester City Council spokesperson said, We have spoken to Mr Cook and we share the shock at this disgraceful act of theft and understand the upset that he and his family must be feeling. We will assist the police in any way required in their investigation of this matter. While incidents of this nature are very distressing, they are thankfully relatively rare at Aswood Cemetery. There are no current plans to install CCTV at the site. Thanks, Pippa. Right, the uh, story for Wednesday, October the 26th, was paying the price. Parking fees begin again. Drivers are to be charged for parking charges put on hold after the council finished refunding those who were wrongly charged by faulty machines. Around 15,000 people were wrongly charged multiple times for using council car parks, racking up £400,000 in payments. Previously, disgusted city drivers left hundreds of pounds out of pocket because of the faulty parking ticket machines, demanded compensation for having to freeze their bank cards and for the upset and worry caused. But Worcester City Council has said, after finishing paying it back everyone who was incorrectly charged, it's starting to recoup some 30,000 genuine payments which have not yet been debited from customers' bank accounts. Around £57,000 worth of payments have yet to be processed, with the process set to get underway tomorrow. That's today, in fact, as I, as I speak. Shane Flynn, Director of Finance at the Council, said, While we're pleased to hear that all duplicate payments have now been dealt with, there's still some work to be done on processing payments which were put on hold once the duplicate payment issue became apparent. Firstly, we would ask people to check their accounts to ensure they've received their refunds and if they haven't, to contact us at parkingoffice at worcester.gov.uk. Mr Flynn added, Secondly, we also suggest that if people have further payments taken from their accounts, that they check to make sure that they do relate to valid car parking sessions. 
With these remaining payments, people may have parked several times and will likely see the payments all taken out at once or within a couple of days. We would like to assure customers that these will be multiple payments rather than duplicate payments. We appreciate how frustrating that this issue has been to customers, but ask that they bear with us while we try to bring this issue to a close. We'll continue to provide regular updates until the matter is completely resolved. After the Council became aware of the issue of duplicate payments, it ordered a stop on payment processing, with the last batch of payments processed on September the 30th. Therefore, many transactions were held back, and as a result, genuine payments between August the 29th and September the 28th have yet to be dealt with. The Council has stated it will now instruct Flowbird to begin processing these transactions. Customers who've parked during this period are assured that these are not further duplicate payments, but are valid ones which are merely delayed in leaving their accounts, the council spokesperson added. And finally, Thursday's headline is Fire Victim Set Fire to His Blanket. An 81-year-old man died after accidentally setting fire to his blanket with a lighter, an inquest heard. Peter Metzoni died from extensive burns after inadvertently setting fire to the blanket he was wrapped in at his home in Randwick Drive in Warnden on April the 28th, just four days after his birthday. Assistant Coroner Nicholas Lane gave a verdict of accidental death at the inquest, which took place at Worcestershire Coroner's Court in Stourport on Wednesday, October the 26th. The coroner ruled that Mr Metzoni died from extensive burn injuries and smoke inhalation from the fire, and his heart problems were a contributing factor. Mr Metzoni, who'd been in and out of hospital in the months leading to his death, was also deaf and had mobility issues. After his clothes and blanket caught on fire, he was unable to move after falling from his chair onto the living room floor. He was rushed to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham, but died just hours later after Burns specialists said he would not recover from his injuries. Senior investigator Martin Lowne from Herefordshire and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said it was likely that Mr Metzoni, who sometimes used the longer safety lighter to light scented tea candles, accidentally set fire to his clothes or blanket and then fell on the floor after trying to get out of his recliner. The cream that Mr Metzoni extensively used to treat the cellulitis on his legs was paraffin-based and highly flammable and could also have contributed to the fire once it had started. Mr Metzoni had been discharged from hospital in Worcester just a day before his death and was visited four times throughout the day by carers. He was then seen twice by the carers as well as by his family on the day of his death before the fire started in the early afternoon. A neighbour was alerted to the fire after hearing an alarm and saw smoke seeping from the flat window. After running down to Mr Metzoni's flat, the neighbour was unable to see anything through his letterbox. Another neighbour was able to let him in, where they found Mr Metzoni lying face down but conscious on his living room floor, with flames coming from around and underneath him and the smoke filled with a thick mist of smoke. Paramedics described Mr Metzoni as conscious and breathing when they arrived, but he became more unwell in the back of the ambulance and was put on a breathing machine before moving to hospital. And now we go on to the general news. There is still no idea when the bargain store Poundland, which has been given an update on its branch in the city after being closed for nearly 18 months, 
The Broad Street branch of the shop closed for renovation work in May last year before serious structural problems were found that November. At that time, there were fears the building could collapse, and since then, it has remained closed. With work seemingly no closer to completion, the store chain has provided an update to customers. A Poundland spokesperson told the Worcester News that it could not provide a date as it was still waiting to hear back from landlord the Crown Estate. They said nothing would please us more than to be able to reopen the Broad Broad Street store, but we're a tenant in the building and the landlord, the the Crown Estates, still haven't been able to give us a timeline as they work on the structural issues in the building they're responsible for. Obviously, we understand how disappointing this is to customers. If there is any update from the landlord, we'll share it. The ongoing work in Broad Street has repeatedly caused traders in the lower end of the street to fear they are being cut off. The Crown Estate said in August this year that it did not expect the first phase of the work to be complete until 2023. Angel House closed in May last year to allow for renovation work but was left in a hazardous condition and at risk of collapse following Storm Arwen in November. It led to the closure of a section of Broad Street for nearly a week while emergency works were carried out. Scaffolding was installed to make the building safe with more works planned before the building can reopen. Battering rains and high winds from Storm Arwen forced Worcestershire County Council to close Broad Street in the run-up to Christmas over fears that the front of Angel House could collapse. Earlier this year, Poundland said it remained committed to the city centre and was working closely with the Crown Estate to ensure the Broad Street store reopened as soon as possible. A man has been arrested for threatening behaviour at a block of flats. A 40-year-old man was arrested on Back Lane South near Pitchcroft on Sunday. He's been bailed and further inquiries are ongoing. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, around 6.30pm on Sunday, October 16th, we received a report of a man behaving in a threatening manner at a property on Back Lane South, Worcester. We attended and arrested a 40-year-old man from Worcester on suspicion of causing intentional harassment, alarm or distress. He was later bailed and inquiries are ongoing. No injuries were reported. John Waterson, who lives in the block of flats, said neighbours called police. They arrived within 20 minutes of us making the call and were able to take him away. Platform Housing said it will speak to all involved to provide reassurance and support. Marion Duffy, Chief Operations Officer at Platform Housing Group, said, We are liaising with the police and the mental health team regarding this situation. The case has been escalated to our community safety team. Our neighbourhood officer will continue to speak to all customers involved to provide reassurance and support. Um, The next story is Free Festive Bus Plan, Just the Ticket. 
The council is to look at offering a free bus service in the city throughout December following a plea by councillors. Worcester City Council will be weighing up the options of introducing subsidised bus, bus travel later this year as another way of bringing visitors to the city centre, boosting Covid-hit businesses and giving a helping hand to residents struggling to travel because of the cost of living crisis. The council has customarily offered free car parking in the busy run-up to Christmas in a bid to bring more visitors and shoppers, but the city's Labour councillors have led a call to forego tradition and use the subsidies to pay for free or cheaper bus travel. Councillor Robin Norfolk used Monday's full council meeting at the Guildhall to call for support in bringing a free bus service to the city throughout December, including weekends and evenings. Councillor Norfolk, who represents St John's Ward for Labour, asked the council's managing director to look into providing either a free or reduced cost across all of the city, with a final decision to be made by councillors in the future. She said... As residents recover from the impact of the Covid crisis and ride yet another financial crisis caused not by their own actions but by international affairs and the capricious nature of the free market, we should be ready to step in and help residents travel into and out of the city centre during December. Just as there are areas within the city which do not benefit from a Sunday service into the city centre, there are residents who do not drive and cannot necessarily bear the cost of travelling into the city by taxi. Councillor Jenny Barnes added, Christmas is most important for retailers and hospitality, and in fact for some retailers it's more than 50% of their yearly take. So it's really important that we support businesses who are struggling year on year because of Covid and now the cost of living crisis. We subsidise car parks, but large numbers of residents have no viable transport and the cost <coughs> of living is hitting harder and deeper. My next story is... National Health Service crisis as winter nears. NHS officials fear they could be forced to raid already stretched budgets to prevent bed blocking in hospitals this winter. The warning from NHS leaders comes as ministers have suggested that half of a £500 million fund aimed at freeing up hospital beds will come from savings made in existing budgets. The Liberal Democrats branded the Adult Social Care Discharge Fund a sticking plaster and called on the government to get a grip on the multiple crises facing the NHS ahead of what is expected to be a very difficult winter. The Discharge Fund, announced earlier this year, has earmarked £500 million for moving people into care homes to recover from illness, freeing up space in hospital beds. But ministers have revealed some of the money used to fund the scheme will potentially come from savings in existing budgets, while the remainder is covered by money raised from the now-repealed national insurance hike. Health Minister Robert Jenrick said approximately half of the funding would come from resources allocated to NHS employers for the health and care levy, which has become available as the levy will not be in place, in response to written questions from Labour and the Liberal Democrats. He also told MPs more funding would come from underspent budgets, efficiencies and saving opportunities arising in the course of normal financial management from departmental and national health service budgets. NHS trade bodies aired concerns about the funding with Miriam Deakin, Director of Policy and Strategy at NHS Providers, telling the PA News Agency that it was not yet entirely clear where the money from the discharge scheme will come from. She added... 
If it is additional money to invest in care as expected, the 500 million earmarked by Therese Coffey will be a welcome boost to efforts to make more hospital beds free for patients that need them most. However, this is a short-term measure, which is nowhere near enough to sort the huge challenges faced by social care colleagues and the NHS due to problems preventing timely discharges, now over the busy winter and beyond. Trust leaders would welcome clarity on exactly how the £500 will be deployed as soon as possible. Matthew Taylor, chief exec of the NHS Confederation, said health leaders urge clarification on when they can expect this funding to reach the front line. He added, With over 13,000 beds being occupied by patients who no longer need to be in hospital, and as we head into one of the most challenging winters on record, transparency and timing are of the essence. And this is a story about a man who stole a guitar out of the arms of a sleeping homeless man. He's been jailed. Marcin Prezikowski of Pickersley Road, Malvern, appeared for Worcester Crown Court for sentencing. The 38-year-old also admitted breaching a suspended jail sentence of 12 months, suspended for 18 months, which was given to him for the production of cannabis. Joshua Purser, prosecuting, said on April the 17th, Prezikovsky sold the Yamaha Dreadnought guitar valued at £150 from Philip Linder. The victim, who had been sleeping outside Fragrance House perfume shop in the town at the time, woke up and the prosecutor said he was distressed after realising his guitar he used for busking was missing. Mr Purser explained Prezikovsky was later arrested after police identified him from CCTV. Prezikovsky, who had 11 previous convictions, had pleaded not guilty to the offence at Worcester Magistrates Court but failed to turn up for his trial where he was found guilty. The prosecutor said an aggravating feature is that the guitar's value to Mr Linder, him being a man of not too many possessions. Judge Martin Jackson told Prezikovsky he adjourned the case last week to give time for him to get legal representation. Prezikovsky told the judge he had approached four legal firms, all saying it was not sufficient time to prepare to represent him. But the judge rejected this, saying if he adjourned again, Prezikovsky was only likely to appear unrepresented again at the next hearing. Asked if he wanted to say anything, Prezikovsky replied, I'd like to apologise to Mr Linder. There isn't much in my defence. Prezikovsky added he'd been suffering from health issues that meant he was no longer working. The judge handed a med- was handed a medical note from his doctor. Sentencing Prezikovsky, Judge Jackson said the loss of the guitar would have had a significant impact on the victim who had been deprived of his ability to perform busking gigs. The judge said Prezikovsky has shown no remorse throughout the case, highlighting that previously Prezikovsky had even lied that he had left money for the victim in exchange for the guitar. You pleaded not guilty in circumstances when there was overwhelming evidence against you, the judge said. The judge added he had also noted it was Prezikovsky's second breach of the suspended sentence, having previously committed an offence of criminal damage.
Telling him it was an unpleasant crime, the judge jailed Presikovsky for a total of six months. In April, Mr Linder told us, I woke up at about half past eleven and the guitar had been taken. I'd been going through a bit of a rough patch and this has made me feel worse on top of that, but I try not to let things get to me too much. I've become well-known performing in the area, so I didn't expect anyone would do something like that. The incident provoked outrage from the community, but police later managed to track down the guitar and return it to him. In addition to his original guitar being restored, Mr Linder was also given a new guitar, case and other accessories by Dennis Drum after staff heard the story. The stolen guitar was later auctioned at a special charity event at the Railway Inn, Morven Link. A popular cafe in Worcester is among, among one of the top 10% best in the world, according to TripAdvisor. Cafe Afloat on Basin Road, Diglis, is in the top 10% of restaurants in the world based on TripAdvisor reviews from customers. The unique cafe is an independent business in a converted canal boat moored in Diglis Basin. The cafe serves meals, snacks and drinks on the water and has tables on the quayside for customers to sit and enjoy. This commendation was announced as part of TripAdvisor's Traveller's Choice 2022 and was posted on the business's social media, thanking its customers and staff. Dave Price, owner of Café Afloat, said he's really happy with the elite TripAdvisor status. He said, I got an email from TripAdvisor saying we were in the top 10% of restaurants worldwide, which I was really happy about. We try really hard to keep everyone happy and 99% of our reviews are always positive. On the off chance that someone is unhappy, we always try to go the extra mile and rectify their experience. Our reviews on TripAdvisor and Google always seem to be really consistent. Mr Price has been the owner of Café Afloat for nearly three years, but the business has been open in Worcester for the last 13 years. On a busy day, they'll sell around 280 coffees, and it's a meeting place for cycling, dog walking and book clubs. It's also famous for its bacon sandwiches, using produce from two local producers, bacon from the Butcheress, based in Stoke Prior, and bread from Mar Bakers in Cranham Drive. In January, the canal boat went to a dry dock for a revamp, and in 2021, the kitchen was extended throughout the boat. Customers used to be able to sit on the boat to eat, but seating is now quayside due to the extended kitchen. TripAdvisor's Traveller's Choice 2022 covers restaurants and other businesses from all over the world. The old Stamp House restaurant in Ambleside, UK, was the top-rated restaurant in the world, according to the list. Right. Well, most of us know about a battle against seagulls in Worcester. A £35,000 spending boost could be granted in order to deal with Worcester's gulls. Worcester City Council's Environment Committee is set to consider increasing the budget for work to control gull numbers in the city by £35,300 next year. The base budget for tackling gull numbers in the city is £35,500, so the proposal would mean the City Council would have £70,800 allocated to tackle gull numbers in 2023-24. to The proposal is included in a report that will be considered by the committee on Tuesday. 
the proposal will set out the impact of steps taken this year to keep the bird's population under control. Removal of nests and eggs, flying of hawks, installation of steel cages over nesting sites and other measures have all been used this year as a means of keeping the numbers down. In 2022, 136 nests in the city were removed, as well as 242 eggs, all under licence from Natural England. Six gold chicks were caught and moved to more suitable locations outside of the city. Councillor Andy Stafford, chairman of the Environment Committee, said girls in the city in the city create many problems with their calls keeping residents awake at night, their droppings presenting health problems and their aggressive behaviour causing intimidation and occasionally injury. Girls are protected under the 1981 Wildlife and Countryside Act, so the measures we take are licensed by Natural England and we also work with partners such as the British Trust for Ornithology. The steps we've taken this year have been successful in limiting the negative impact of girls on residents and visitors to the city and I hope the committee will support the proposed continuation of this important work. This financial year, the City Council has spent £75,000 on gull control due to an extra £40,000 being agreed as part of the 2021-22 budget. The Council also extended its non-lethal use of hawks as a deterrent, with the birds of prey being regularly flown in the city centre and elsewhere between February and May this year. This delayed the gulls from building their nests, reducing the likelihood of them laying more than one clutch of eggs, and also drove off a pair of gulls that had been swooping on shoppers in Cathedral Square. Okay. Solo Rail at Checkout is the next story. Readers have slammed self-service checkouts claiming AI robots are taking over and they are easier for shoplifters. That AI meaning artificial intelligence, of course. Morrison's in Droitwich was recently criticised over the quality and staffing of self-service checkouts as well as claims that staff were being phased out in favour of self-service tills. Last week, Morrison's denied any rumours of replacing staff and expressed how the tills were essential for getting queue times down. A spokesperson said, We are committed to continuing to provide choice for our customers and how they want to check out and pay for their shopping. Over recent years, more and more customers have chosen to use self-checkout. Therefore, we are ensuring that we update the number and mix of payment points to ensure we are serving customers how they want. Self-scan means we are able to have more pay points open more of the time, improving service speed. But we will always have colleagues around to support our customers. Readers have been reacting to the story with their opinions on the checkouts, with many being firmly against the self-service scanners. One commenter believes that self-service checkouts are AI robots replacing humans. They said... This is just another example of the inevitable growth of AI robots replacing humans. Checkout workers are low-paid and doing a boring job. With Britain not having enough workers, these jobs are going fast. Another commenter said that the self-service checkouts are easier for shoplifters to target. They said, They are all doing self-service, but my argument is you are already paying for that service and have to do it yourself instead. I do think it'll make it easier for shoplifters to target this. Some commenters defended the self-service tills, saying they are, quote, hardly rocket science to use. 
One said, I'm a fan of self-service tills. I can sort and pack my shopping how I want, in peace and quiet, and I don't have to talk to anyone. And of course, less staff on the tills means cheaper prices. Another said, I agree, I would never stand in a queue again when self-service is empty. They are quick and easy to use. I've seen four or five people waiting in a queue and self-service tills nearby empty. It's hardly rocket science using self-service, but some people refuse to use them. It's their choice, though, so it's up to them. And this next one is about what's in a pub name. More pubs could follow suit after an historic Worcestershire pub changed its name for a week. The 17th century Fleece Inn in Bretforton, owned by the National Trust, was renamed the Green Man during the Great Big Green Week. Now the Trust is looking to repeat the festival, aimed at inspiring discussion about climate change, both at the Fleece Inn and elsewhere, when it returns next year. One festival attendee, Tom Tchaikovsky, said, All the best movements for change start in the pub. You can expose people to a wide range of opinions over a pint who might otherwise not hear them. The pub played host to a range of events, from panel sessions to comedy to a Saturday fete featuring the Pebworth Morris dancers and Bretforton Silver Band. Speakers included DIY... SOS, regular Charlie Luxton, and Ash Smith, co-founder of the influential Rivers Group campaign, Windrush Against Sewage Pollution. Tom Appleby's dairy farm in Bretforton is powered by a 150-kilowatt solar array, and next, he says, he wants to install a solar battery. He said, we're always trying to increase our efficiency, not just because it's good for the planet, but because it's good for our bottom line. Tokia Kwayam from Birmingham, who campaigns with Friends of the Earth and interface organisation Footsteps and blogs at Tokia Green Experience, enjoyed his first ever visit to the Evesham area. Everyone was fantastic and friendly, he said. This is the way to open up the climate justice space. Speaking before Great Big Green Week, Nigel Smith, landlord of the Fleece Inn, said, This is a wonderful opportunity to make this historic pub, located at the heart of a vibrant Worcestershire village community, a host venue for discussions and conversations on issues that resonate on a global scale. We believe that this is UK first. We aren't aware of any other pub being transformed in this way. It's a very exciting project to be involved in. A new series of walking routes linking Worcestershire's railway stations is being developed. The rail trails are linear routes that begin and end at train stations and are hoped to help people explore new parts of the county. The idea is that the public either walk a stretch of new path and come back to the start point on the train or do it the opposite way round. Lyndon Bracewell of the Worcester Ramblers is leading the project alongside Andy Stevenson, a graphic design lecturer at the University of Worcester. Funding support comes from the Worcestershire Community Rail Partnership. The first phase is a 42-mile-long walking trail connecting all eight stations on the Worcestershire section of the Cotswold Line between Great Malvern and Honeybourne. Further phases will link Worcester to all stations in the north of the county. 
I was keen to find a way to encourage more people to explore the county's wonderful countryside and in a healthy and sustainable way, said Mr Bracewell. Providing walking opportunities using the existing local rail network was an ideal way of achieving this. Even though I already knew the area quite well, I've been really surprised at how scenic and interesting the routes are. The team is aiming to have an initial tranche of outputs ready as downloadable PDF guide sheets and corresponding GPX files that can be used on walking apps in the new year. William Whiting, chairman of Worcestershire Community Rail Partnership, said many other areas of the country have walks from stations as a way of encouraging use of local rail services and at the same time promoting healthy lifestyles. As a keen walker, I believe the best way to see the countryside is by walking, and these rail trails will provide the opportunity to explore some lovely parts of Worcestershire. Mr Stevenson said the project was a lovely live collaboration between local organisations. This project's aims and outputs are also allied to some of my own research interests within my part-time PhD studies, he added. As such, it's also an example of how ongoing research in the design and visual communications area at the university can provide practical help via knowledge exchange projects within the community too. Thank you, Catherine. Here's an intriguing headline. Nobody has complained. Shop staff have defended selling bottles of a drink created by two YouTube stars way above the recommended retail price. People have been queuing outside a convenience store in Brickfields to pay £8 for bottles of prime hydration, despite official sellers Asda retailing it for £2. Nisa Local in Derwent Close has defended its decision to sell the drink for eight quid and claims no customers have complained about the hefty price. School children have been queuing outside the store in the hopes of getting their hands on Prime Hydration, created by YouTubers KSI and Logan Paul. At Asda in Silver Street, the drink sells out within 30 minutes of it hitting the shelves. The 21-year-old said, now I don't know who the 21-year-old is, but we may find out later in the article. The 21-year-old said, nobody has complained about the price. One person asked me to put one behind the counter and paid £15 for it. One person bought two crates for £80. People leave their phone numbers with me so I can let them know when we've got some in stock. This morning I had two crates delivered and in less than four hours we've sold 22 bottles at £8 each. My boss came in with a third crate from another one of his stores, otherwise we'd have been sold out before midday. Nobody's complained, kids are mad for it. Customers are only allowed to buy two drinks per visit due to its popularity. The 21-year-old, presumably the same one, the 21-year-old said someone came in and bought 24 bottles when we didn't have a limit put on them. We don't put our prime out anymore, we keep it behind the counter. It started off in the fridge, but the kids started crowded in but the kids started crowding it in the store. I've just put one of each flavour up for show. Customers kept asking us if we sell prime and showing us pictures on their phone, and I didn't know what it was to begin with. But now we get a delivery every Friday. It doesn't come at a set time, so some people come here every ten minutes to ask if it's arrived yet. I get why all the kids want it, because someone famous has made it. Mr Khan, who has worked at the store for three years, said, I've never seen anything like this. No, I wouldn't have done either. 
Anyway, investment brings jobs and a company making heat pumps is bringing new jobs to Worcestershire after a £2.5 million worth of investment. Ventiv, which makes modular heat pumps, has partnered with Hartlebury-based company QM Systems to produce their products. The company said the move will create 16 new jobs and support the local economy. Rob Morrison, Managing Director of Ventive, said the demand for more efficient domestic heating solutions has never been greater. This need has been compounded by the threat of climate change and the current cost of living crisis, which has sent energy bills soaring. We're delighted with the support provided by EMV Capital that helps to strengthen Ventive's balance sheet and provides us with the funding needed to accelerate the launch of our efficient and cost-reducing heat pump division. And equally importantly, with an experienced team of active investors who have significant industrial experience. The heat pumps made by Ventive are modular exhaust pumps, which are targeted at both new build and retrofitting. The pumps can help make significant reductions in expenses and carbon emissions compared to traditional heating systems. Ventive home heat pumps are fully integrated indoor environmental control systems, which provide integrated ventilation, renewable heating, and hot water with free summer cooling. The heat pump will arrive pre-plumbed and pre-configured with monitoring and energy storage to enable quick and simple installation. The deal by EMV included an initial equity and debt investment of £600,000 from new investors. EMV has taken 16% direct stake in the business and the deal also includes debt restructuring of around £1 million. Ventive has now partnered with QM Systems to scale up its production of heat pumps. Ed Hooper, EMV Capital Director and the newly appointed Investment Director at Ventive said, EMV Capital is very pleased to welcome Ventive into our growing investment portfolio. Ventive's intelligent building service systems, which seek to dramatically reduce carbon emissions for homes, fit well with our focus on deep tech and sustainability companies with an ESG impact. Right. Well, from the very modern to the very ancient, an ancient road has been discovered. Workmen have made a potentially internationally significant discovery in the county. A resident contacted Whitjaven archaeology advisor, Aidan Smith, to tell him that workmen had dug up what appeared to be a Roman road near Evesham. Following a review of the site, Mr Smith has identified it as a possible ford. Excavations have since taken place, and currently all signs point to it being a Roman structure that could be up to 1,900 years old. Mr Smith said, At the moment, everything is ticking the boxes for it to be Roman, but it still feels too good to be true, so we are keeping an open mind. It may be that we have to bury it undated, but I hope not. The road is said to be constructed like a wall with large stones laid in bands, a well-known Roman building technique. It is also 2.95 metres wide, which is said to be the standard width of a single-track Roman road. 
Witchaven District Council has also confirmed that as of yet, no datable finds such as pieces of pottery or coins have been discovered. Usually, these would be used to help date the site. Instead, a section dug from the road is to be sent off for optically stimulated luminescence testing, which will measure the last time the sediment was exposed to sunlight. The council has warned that this process could take several months. In the meantime, the site may be reburied to protect it from deteriorating. Mr Smith added, if it turns out to be medieval, then it could still be considered to be nationally significant, as nothing similar has been found in Britain to date. If it is a first-century Roman structure, with its only known comparisons in Rome and Pompeii, then it is not only the only one of its kind in Britain to date, making it nationally important, but you could also argue it is of international significance, as we would gain more information on the feature through analysis of similar structures found in Italy. Historic England are also being kept updated, with Witchaven hopeful, Witchaven hopeful they will mark the find as an ancient monument to protect it from future development. Theft from Postbox Children have been left in tears after an elaborate Halloween postbox topper was stolen. The creative behind the yarn bombing said she's disappointed and begged the thief to return it. Mum of two, Lisa Ball, creates toppers for the postbox on School Bank Road by Clane's Church, which can take her 24 hours of work. However, earlier this week she noticed that her latest creation had disappeared. There's always someone who has to ruin it, she said. It was there for two weeks, even though it's Halloween themed. I wanted it to be up for a couple of weeks before the kids at the primary school broke up for half term. It is really disappointing. So many people enjoy having it there and it takes hours to make. It is a real shame that there are people out there who will just take them. I've been doing them since last summer and you really don't expect it at Clane's. I chose that post box specifically because there is less opportunity for lots of people around. You only really know if it's there if you were driving past or walking to the school or to the church. She last saw the post box topper at around 6pm on Tuesday, October the 18th. However, when she drove past it the following morning, it had vanished. Mrs Ball said it had made her reluctant to continue crocheting postbox toppers, but that she does not want to let one person spoil it for the community who enjoys seeing them. She added, I'm still going to make them, but I will reconsider the effort that goes into each one. If anyone realises how stupid what they have done is, we would appreciate it back. I attached it with cable ties. They were wrapped around the postbox and through the topper as well. Whenever I take them down, I have to use scissors, so whoever took it will have either had a scissors or a knife. My son is really upset. He's five and he loves cats. He wanted the cat from the topper after I'd taken it down. He just couldn't get his head around the fact that someone had taken it or why they would want to do that. He and me both, Jane. Absolutely. Now, a change of ownership with the former site of a vegan restaurant in Worcester City has now been sold. Be the Change on New Street closed down earlier this year, and it appears a new buyer has been found for the site. A large sign above the restaurant is now brandishing a sign saying sold subject to contract. However, it's not known who's bought the building or what their future plans are for the site. 
The building that housed Be The Change appeared for sale on Right Move last month for £325,000 with vacant possession. The premises was advertised as extremely attractive, freehold, Grade 2 listed building. The three-storey building was also described as having a cellar and a rear yard. The fixtures and fittings are also for sale at £40,000 plus VAT. Be The Change first opened a cafe in Worcester's Corn Market in 2018. It proved so popular that they then opened a second venue, a restaurant on New Street in 2021. However, the owners made the decision this year to combine both cafe and restaurant at 15 New Street instead of keeping them as separate establishments. Although both the cafe and the restaurant are now both closed, Be The Changed website is still online and hints that the closure is temporary. A notice on the website reads, Be The Change is currently temporarily closed. More updates will appear here and on our social channels as and when they're available. Thank you for your patience and continued support. Initially, in September, the restaurant said it would be closing for two weeks with no specific reason given. A post on its Facebook page only said that things have been very tough lately and the closure was through nobody's fault. However, the building was later put on the market. Be The Change was the city's foremost vegan restaurant, with only Little Bento Box in the Shambles Market Hall being the only complete vegan restaurant left in the city. This weekend, hundreds of people who enjoy a plant-based diet, as well as foodies, descended on the city centre for the return of Worcester's Vegan Market. Catering vans selling food such as vegan hot dogs, burgers and noodle dishes were parked in Cathedral Square. And along the high street, there were stalls selling bakery items, skincare, and jewellery. Well, this little article probably should have appeared in the What's On, um, but I shall read it out so that you are apprised of it. Worcester Cathedral will host a Living Gently on Earth series, encouraging communities to live in a greener way. The event takes place on Saturday, November the 5th, in the Cathedral Undercroft, from 2 till 4pm. It will be a common sense session aimed at how to travel greener in the light of the cost of living and energy crisis and will look at the relative impact and costs of different modes of transports, options and solutions, including the use of electric bikes, cars for hire or sharing, walking, public transport and holidays abroad. Sounds fascinating. The noisiest streets in Worcester have been revealed in an online interactive map. The England Noise and Air Quality Viewer, created by Extrium, has compiled the loudest streets across the UK. Extrium is an environmental modelling and geospatial data science consultancy providing services to a variety of organisations. According to the data... Worcester's loudest roads, which are not dual carriageways and motorways, are the A44 Worcester Bridge and Deansway, the Tithing, Ombersley Road, the A44 Sidbury and the A38 City Walls Road. 
According to the data, the roads are registering an average decibel level of 75 decibels and higher, which is the highest category on the graphic. There are five categories that the roads are recorded on. New noise-detecting cameras are being trialled in Bradford, which are looking to crack down on engine revving and the use of illegal exhausts. The technology includes a video camera and several microphones to accurately pinpoint excessively noisy cars as they pass by. (coughs) This means that if drivers break the law by revving their engines unnecessarily or using illegal exhausts, they will be automatically detected. The camera takes a picture of the vehicle and records the noise level to create a digital package of evidence which can be used by local police forces to find drivers. The trial began on Tuesday, October the 18th. Right, this is a story about the council buying some new bin lorries. I wonder if you know how much a new bin lorry would cost. Have a think about that while I'm reading it and about two-thirds of the way through, the answer will be revealed. Here we go. The council is set to replace some of its bin lorries at a cost of £1.65 million. Worcester City Council said it is planning to move ahead with replacing seven of its ageing bin lorries and has been pushed into buying them early because of a year-long waiting list. The council, which has planned to replace its lorries year by year up to at least 2036, said it needs to order the new vehicles now to make the most of a loyalty discount and to make sure they arrive on time. The tailor-made lorries built by Dennis Eagle, which are unavailable anywhere else, are needed to navigate some of Worcester's narrow and cramped streets. At the same time, the council is also trying to cut its carbon footprint and eventually wants to replace its fleet of diesel lorries with greener electric ones from 2025 to meet its 2030 carbon-neutral target. A report which will be discussed by the City Council's Environment Committee said the council has been offered a discount of almost 75000 for being a loyal customer with Dennis Eagle and it would use the savings to trial some green vegetable oil in some of its bin lorries which would cut emissions by 90%. The council is still working on ways to replace its fleet of diesel-powered bin lorries with electric vehicles. Dennis Eagle's greener bin lorry does not qualify for government funding in help to, to help cover the cost of switching and forking out all of the £450,000 for each vehicle. So well done if you got close to that. Based on current estimates, this would make the challenge an even costlier venture for the council. It would also be several months before the council could get its hands on an electric bin lorry to test it before it commits to replacing the whole fleet. Malvern Hills District Council has already committed to quickly converting some of its fleet of bin lorries to use hydro-treated vegetable oil rather than diesel in order to reach its own carbon net zero target by 2030. The council said the move would help cut its emissions by more than a third. The RSPCA is urgently calling for more foster carers to help free up spaces in animal centres following new statistics showing that 700 rescued animals are waiting for a space. The charity estimates that it's spending an eye-watering £26,000 a week to private boarders for the temporary care of hundreds of rescued animals, including dogs, cats, rabbits, small furry animals, exotic pets, birds and farm animals, as its 59 rehoming centres are full to bursting. 
Animals are based in private boarding establishments all across England and Wales, including eight in the West Mercia region. In response, the RSPCA has launched a new urgent drive for recru- to recruit more fosterers who care for animals temporarily in their own home while supported by the RSPCA to help ease the pressure. The shocking new statistics come as RSPCA's annual rehoming campaign, Adopt-A-Bear, continues to shine a light on the work of the charity's animal centres and the rescue pets looking for a second chance of happiness. Brian Reeves, head of volunteering at the RSPCA, said, We're in the middle of an animal crisis and we can only see it getting worse over the winter months as the cost of living crisis bites. It's absolutely vital that we free up as much space in RSPCA centres now so that we've got room for animal victims of neglect and cruelty we rescued in the coming months and weeks. And more fosterers are going to be crucial in achieving that. Getting pets into loving foster homes, especially ahead of the winter months, will be a lifeline to our frontline officers and the animals in danger we need to rescue. One of the many animals in need of a home is Maisie, the four-year-old Staffordshire Bull Terrier Cross. When she arrived at Holdings Animal Rescue and Rehoming Centre at Kempsey, she had a nasty ear tumour, but thanks to the support of the centre's donors, she had had surgery to remove it. Maisie is now doing well, and the team is looking to find her a foster home where she can recover from her surgery. Ideally, her foster home would become permanent, once she's recovered and been given a clean bill of health by vets. Police have carried out speed checks outside a Worcestershire school following concerns about children's safety. Leonie Arnold's four-year-old daughter, Ottilie, started at Inkbury Primary School in September, but the NHS nurse has already grown tired of speeding drivers during the school run. Last week, the school's lollipop lady resigned after almost being hit by a 4x4 while she stopped traffic for school school children trying to cross the main road through the village. Leonie called for West Mercia police to be more proactive with their approach to catching speeding drivers. She added, It's dangerous, more so with a toddler in tow. Some cars are amazing and stop. Others see you crossing and don't slow down, which causes the children to panic and run. I think this has highlighted the lack of support for crossing patrol individuals and the risk that they put themselves in every day they work. I would like change. The village needs to be safer for our children. Nothing will change it unless we change it. Police conducted speed checks as a result of her and other parents' concerns. A spokesperson for West Mercia's road safety team said... West Mercia Police is aware of the road safety concerns in Inkborough. The local safety, sorry, safer neighbourhood team are in contact with the school to discuss the issue further. The force's road safety team have carried out 19 speed enforcement sessions in the area over the past 12 months, at times varying from 6am until 7pm. The enforcement location is risk assessed before each and every session to ensure it is safe and suitable taking into account other external factors on the day. Deployment of enforcement activity is regularly reviewed, so we will continue to monitor this alongside discussions between the SNT and the school. The spokesman added, 
Additionally, 30 mile per hour road markings have been placed through the village by Worcestershire County Council and work is ongoing to explore the possibility of additional traffic calming engineering measures. A new board game cafe is coming to Worcester in the near future. The Dice Box is coming to the Shambles following the success of its flagship location in Leamington Spa. The Leamington Spa Cafe has nearly 700 games and offers a place where groups of friends can play board games with food and drinks. The Dice Box game collection features favourites including Scrabble, Monopoly, Chess, Guess Who, Dominoes, Operation, Pass the Bomb and many more. The Dice Box location in Worcester is a franchise and separate from the original location. A recent licensing application has been submitted to Worcestershire regula- Regulatory Services so the new cafe can serve alcohol from 11am to 10pm on Monday to Saturday and 11am to 8pm on Sundays. On the Dice Box website, Stephanie and Trevor Davies, founders of the cafe, say they want to create a space where everyone feels welcome. It doesn't matter whether you have been playing board games for years or whether you've never played anything. Modern board games are so much fun and so interactive that in today's technology-driven world, there is nothing better than socialising over a board game. The Dice Box also sells many popular board games through their shop area in each gaming cafe, allowing visitors to take their favourites home with them. According to the website, there is an hourly cover charge of £2 per person per hour, which gives customers the flexibility to stay as long as they would like. The new location is moving into Nine The Shambles, which was formerly occupied by Fast Cash, a second-hand store. Another cafe in Worcester has also recently been granted a licence to serve alcohol. Sugar Daddy's Cafe on Trinity Passage was recently granted a licence to serve alcohol every day between 10am and 11pm. Okay. next story is headed £100,000 to help Christmas. Families in need could have their Christmas dinner taken care of, courtesy of a charity call. Worcestershire ambassadors are looking to raise £100,000 to support county residents this festive season. The organisation, aimed at promoting Worcestershire as a place to live and work, wants to provide three-day Christmas food parcels. We will need all your support to achieve this and we are looking forward to working with other county-based organisations for a unified approach to help as many unable to fully help themselves, a spokesperson said. This year, the cost of living crisis is significantly affecting all. However, for those on the lowest incomes, the impact is truly significant, which is why we want to launch our campaign in support of five county-based food banks. Worcestershire ambassadors will be supporting food banks in Redditch, Kidderminster, Droitwich, Worcester and Malvern Hills. Almost half the target amount, 48,000, is to go to Worcester, with the rest receiving between 9 and 18,000. All are individual charities franchised through the Trussell Trust, which is a network of over 1,300 food banks across Great Britain. The aim is to provide the food banks with three-day nutritionally balanced food parcels along with additional support. It is estimated that each parcel will cost £20 per person and £40 for a family. Over the last 20 years, Worcestershire Ambassadors has raised over a million pounds for various charities and good causes in the county. 
So far, they've raised around 8,000 towards their Christmas food bank appeal. A Just Giving page has been set up to allow people to make cash donations. Meanwhile, anyone wanting to donate food or other supplies is advised to take them directly to the food banks. Worcestershire Ambassadors has also recommended that schools host non-uniform days to raise money. Businesses are being encouraged to host charity events, make donations in lieu of providing corporate gifts and donate the cost of Christmas party tickets for those who don't attend. Further information about the appeal can be found at, and here's a website coming up, all small case letters, all one word, worcestershireambassadors.com forward slash Christmas Food Bank Appeal forward slash. This is about litter pickers who have called for a recycling for cash incentive scheme on trial in Scotland to be brought to Worcester. Sarah Murray from the Warnden Wombles Litter Picking Group wants to see Scotland's deposit return scheme brought to the city. The scheme offers 20p for returning single-use liquid containers back to where they were purchased. Scottish nationals will pay a small deposit of 20p when they buy a single-use drinks container and if returned, they get the money back. The idea was prompted following a recent litter pick where large numbers of glass and plastic bottles were discovered in hedgerows on Tolodyne Road. Mrs Murray said bottles littering our hedgerows are a disgrace and when we litter pick, the litter doesn't go into recycling. So these bottles will either end up in landfill or in an incinerator. If we truly care about our environment, we need to turn this around. Scotland's deposit return scheme will launch permanently on August, in August 2023 after successful trials. Sarah said, This reminded me of the time when, as a child, I used to collect glass bottles and return them in exchange for a few pennies, which I would then go and spend on the sweets. European friends have told me that in Europe, particularly in Germany, glass bottles can be returned to the supermarkets in exchange for shopping vouchers. We could kill two birds with one stone here. If we just return our glass bottles to the supermarket, they could easily be recycled and shopping vouchers would help to bring down the cost of your weekly shop. Or they could be donated to the food bank. Mrs Murray intends to contact the major supermarkets and ask them to consider setting up a bottle return scheme. She has also recently launched a petition to improve facilities on Wainwright Road for lorry drivers after recently discovering faeces and urine discarded in the hedges. Croft Road Car Park is the only Worcester City car park which offers parking for larger vehicles. The petition was launched on Wednesday, October 5th and has amassed 50 signatures. For more information on Scotland's return deposit scheme, you can visit Zero Waste Scotland website at shortturl, that's S-H-O-R-T-U-R-L, dot at slash V-X-B-8-9. Thank you, Jane. And uh, we'll now move on to some sport. Uh, I don't know if any other editors have mentioned this, that... Uh, the Worcester News now only does one page of sport, so we are sometimes a little short on material to offer you. But in fact, this week we've got four pretty good stories, and I'm going to kick off with a cricket story. Slightly out of season, but there you go. Worcestershire's Jack Haynes has been rewarded for a terrific season with an international call-up. 
Batter Haynes has been included in the England Lions training camp, sorry, training group for a three-week camp in the UAE next month and is part of a 15-player group from November the 6th to the 27th. It becomes the latest international recognition for the 21-year-old who was a member of the England Under-19 squad for the ICC Under-19 World Cup in South Africa two years ago. Haynes' call-up follows from a successful summer for Worcestershire in which he scored three centuries in the LV Insurance County Championship, including his maiden 100 versus Durham at New Road. Worcestershire assistant coach Alan Richardson said, We're delighted for Jack and how his game has progressed and developed this summer. We always felt that he had the potential and ability to kick on after scoring that maiden century, and that proved to be the case. He started to turn promising knocks into match-winning contributions, and batting with Azar Ali for long periods has also helped with his development. As well as offering developmental experiences to the players selected, the trip will support England men's test preparation for Pakistan, with five members of the test squad arriving ahead of the test tour and three pace bowlers joining the group to continue their rehabilitation from injury. England men will travel to Abu Dhabi on November the 18th and play a three-day practice match against England Lions from November the 23rd to the 25th. And here's a story about Worcester Warriors. Administrators at Begbie's Trainor could reveal their preferred bidder as early as this week as progress on the sale of Worcester Warriors looks to have been made. Last Thursday, a select group of supporters met with the administrators in charge of selling the club and positive noises were reported. Warriors have now been in administration since September the 27th and were also suspended from all rugby competition. That was then followed by the company that employs all the players and staff being liquidated in court over a winding up petition issued in August. Contracts were therefore all terminated and now 22 players have found new clubs and staff members have all moved on. But despite the doom and gloom, there appears to be some light at the end of the tunnel as the rebuild looks ready to begin. The club will almost certainly be relegated to the championship as a result of entering administration, but if the sale of the club to new owners can be agreed, plans can start on how to get Worcester Warriors back on their feet. Some more cricket now, or possibly some less cricket. Let's see. This article refers to a very complex situation that cricket finds itself in, where some people think that there are too many cricket games going on, some people think there are too few, and almost everybody finds it hard to agree on what to do. Worcestershire County Cricket Club has opposed a proposed reduction of county fixtures, putting forward their own idea to truncate the 100. Now, the 100 is a competition in which Worcestershire does not have a team at all. The pairs have joined a handful of counties in coming out against key recommendations of the England and Wales Cricket Board's high-performance review, specifically suggestions to cut back on the county championship and the vitality blast schedules, that's the 2020 game. There has been minimal appetite within the domestic game for that part of the Sir Andrew Strauss-led blueprint, which has cast doubt over the forthcoming vote of the first-class counties, of which a two-thirds majority of 12 is required to push ahead with the suggested overhaul from 2024. While Worcestershire are neither the first to make their voice heard, uh, they have set themselves aside by suggesting the hundred should be squeezed. 
The two-year-old tournament has previously appeared to enjoy protected status, covered by a television deal through to 2028, and the support of Strauss's review team. However, the arrival of Richard Gould, a hundred-ball sceptic during his time at Surrey as chief executive of the ECB, could lead to a revision. A statement from Worcestershire read, The Sir Andrew Strauss-led high-performance review has many aspects that we support, looking through the important lens of improving international performance. However, at the county level, reducing county championship fixtures is not supported. Our preference and desire is to maintain 14 games rather than reduce them to 10, as has been proposed. We totally support the best versus best overriding principle in the HPR and believe this can be achieved with two divisions rather than three leagues of six counties. The statement continued, We favour a true meritocracy, with two up and two down from each division. Worcestershire does not support reducing the number of Vitality Blast games from the current level of 14. That would be particularly harmful to counties like ours that do not have alternative games to host. A reduction in county championship and Vitality Blast fixtures would harm the holistic health of cricket in our county and beyond. Our preference would be to truncate the 100, if possible, to reduce strain on the overall schedule. And this is about football. And caretaker boss Stuart Watkins laid bare the challenge facing Worcester City both on and off the pitch following the 3-0 Midland Football League Cup defeat to Starport Swifts on Tuesday. City are without a permanent manager and have been left a squad semi-reliant on players from the reserve team. Tuesday's defeat to Starport meant City are now out of all the competitions already this season and in the league, their third bottom with just two wins in the 2022-23 MFL Premier campaign. Watkins explained just how difficult the situation has become. It's a big task, he said. We have reserved players coming in and doing really well, but there are a number of players in the team who are working really hard. But the challenge is at the moment that we have players playing themselves out of the team and players playing themselves into the team. We're now trying to get players in, but when when no one's sure who is going to be manager. It's a real challenge and that's the fact. We're trying to get loans in and the lads that we know but that's easier said than done. Watkins was keen to praise those younger players and the ones that have come through the second string and thrust into the senior side, but he knows that he needs to make more than just an effort and work rate for the club to get themselves out of the hole they're in. It's not for the want of trying, he said. I have a group of players in the dressing room that are really disappointed, but some of the lads in there didn't even know each other before going onto the pitch. We've brought a couple of young lads in and they're doing their best, but they don't even know the names of the players they're playing with. That's the challenge we face. Thank you. And that concludes the sports stories for this week. I'm going to move on to the birthday file and I would like to wish Betty Griffiths a very happy birthday for the 29th of October and Brian Ferris on the 3rd of November. Hope you both have lovely days, respectively. And Jane, back to you, actually, if you could do the thought for the week for us this week. 
And this is from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Thank you. So I just have sunrise and sunset times to give you, and that will wrap it all up for this week. And today the sun rose at 7.54am, so that's Thursday the 27th of October, and the sun will set tonight at 5.50pm. And that brings us to the end of this week's recording. I'd like to thank our readers today. That's Catherine Neal. Goodbye. Phil Lee. Goodbye. And Jane Fares. Goodbye. And waving from the other side of the glass, saying goodbye, is John Plush. And goodbye from me too. I hope you have a good week ahead. Patricia Ann Sear, known as Pat, passed away on the 5th of October 2022. Uh, the funeral has already taken place, but donations, if desired, will be gratefully received for Dementia UK and Age UK, and you should, in that event, um, perhaps apply to Worcester Co-op Funeral Care, Lowersmore, Worcester, 01905 Michael John Lowe passed away on the 6th of October 2022. He has been laid to rest surrounded by his family. All donations given have been made to the Injured Jockeys Fund. Donald Edward Bullock passed away on the 3rd of October, aged 76. The funeral service will be at Wire Forest Crematorium on Wednesday the 2nd of November at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Donations in memory of Donald will be given to the British Heart Foundation. Inquiries to A.H. Caldecott and Sons, Funeral Directors, 15 Market Street, Tenbury Wells, WR158BH. And the phone number is 01584 810281. The Reverend John Christopher Guise died peacefully on the 30th of September, aged 92. The family funeral will be private, but a memorial service for Brenda and John will be held at St Mary Magdalene Church, Broadwas, on Wednesday 30th of November at 2pm. All are welcome. Donations for St Richard's Hospice may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, WR 14 1TL. Jean Glaze, née Brown, died peacefully on the 5th of October, aged 94. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, 2nd November at 11.30am. Please send all floral tributes to Worcester Co-op Funeral Care. Donations, if desired, will be gratefully received for St Richard's Hospice. All inquiries, care of Worcester Co-op Funeral Care, 17 Lowesmore, Worcester, WR1, 2RS. And that's 01905-22137. David Southall passed away peacefully on the 30th of September, aged 83. Funeral service at St. Philip and St. James Church, Whittington, on Wednesday the 2nd of November at 11.45, followed by committal at the Vale Crematorium. 
Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society or Whittington Church PCC, may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70 to 70 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Bright colours to be worn by request, please. <laughs> 